morning and welcome to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. Maybe you're listening on the internet or the app or wherever you're listening. It is a beautiful Thursday morning on the 13th of January and you are joined by Lawson and... Tabitha. Man, you are our third host in in one week. How, how does it feel to be coming in, Tabby? We had you in on Monday, but thank you for coming back. See, I liked it so much that I came back. So great to be here once again. So good. Tabby, what are you grateful for this morning? Well, I'm grateful for something that's maybe not as life-changing as it might be for me, and that's <laughs> my moisturizer. I'm currently very yes. <laughs> dry and itchy, and moisturizer is just helping me through the day at the moment. So thank you, creators of moisturizer. Yeah, deep. shout out. <laughs> I, feel, I feel that a lot of people are kind of going through it at the moment in summer, whether it be like eczema or rashes or whatever it may be. And so, dude, I, I'm like moisturizer. Oof, good thing. Um, I am grateful. One of my friends or someone that I met when I recently traveled down to um, down to Melbourne, they are coming up here. I think they arrived last night and uh, I'm going to be spending the day with them. There's a group oh, of us who are going to be just hanging out. And uh, her name is, is Cindy. We call her Auntie Cindy. Um, she is just the bomb. She's like yeah. one of the most like lively, awesome people ever. She's like Aww. one of the aunties in the church. She's so lovely. And so we're going to be just taking her around and out to lunch and just spending time with her and hanging out with oh, her. So I'm awesome. really, really, really looking forward to it. In the town that. with Auntie Cindy. That's right. Well, she took us out on the town when we were down in Melbourne. She took us yeah. down to like St. Kilda Beach to hang out with the penguins and to dinner and all these different things. She was like one of our kind of quasi like faux tour guides who were kind of leading us around the city um, and, you know, helping us dodge COVID and, and all those different things. Um, but yeah, now now we get to return the favor to her while she's up oh, here. So. I have the best time. Oh, we will. And I am so looking forward to lunch. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Hey, uh, let's have some positively different news. What's happening? Positively, hopefully I can read better in the future. Mm -hmm. But um, for this morning, I found a cool story, which I think is really relevant to us after the holidays. So Mm. we've all been in the the beach, getting burned, enjoying the sun, maybe a bit too much. Um, this yes. story comes out of Vancouver, Canada. So, oh, are, wow. you, are you? Yeah, pretty cool. Mm. Are you a hockey fan, Lawson? Um, well, I'm actually wearing a hockey jersey right yeah, now for, for the Anaheim Ducks. Um, but outside of maybe um, memorabilia, not really. I've never sat down and watched an, an entire hockey game. Okay, well, look, the t-shirt really helps. So, <laughs> have you heard of the Vancouver Canucks? I think they're like a big hockey team. Yes, they're a huge hockey team in Canada. Mm-hmm. So there was a guy called Brian Hamilton, okay. and he's the manager of equipment. Okay. Um, so all the fans are there playing a game, and a uh-huh. young lady called Nadia Popovicki is sitting in the audience watching the game, uh-huh. and suddenly something catches her eye, and she looks at Brian Hamilton's neck, which is obviously a little bit weird. You look at someone's neck during a <laughs> sports game who's not a player, but whatever. Um, so she's looking at his neck and she notices that there's a mole on his neck that looks really large and raised. Mm. And she's actually a medical student. So alarm goes, alarm bells go off for Nadia. And then she decides, look, this guy's in danger. I need to mm. help Brian. Yeah, totally. She gets her phone. She writes a message. Please get your mole checked. It's dangerous. You wow. need, she gets it on her phone. She presses it against the glass. 
Brian happens to look over at just the right time and thinks it's a bit weird someone's pressing a phone against the bus. <laughs> and after the game, he goes to the doctor, checks his mole, and it is cancerous. So, oh, yikes. So he has to have his mole removed. Uh-huh. Um, and that little operation was actually a life-saving one for mm-hmm. him. So the Vancouver Canucks put out a social media campaign, We Must Find Nadia, mm. and they took to the um, all the social media cha- uh, channels and they got Nadia back at the next game. Wow. So there's Nadia at the next game and then they announce her. She comes up to the front and Brian and Nadia embrace mm. and he thanks her for saving his life. Wow. Little did Nadia know that the Vancouver Canucks and the other team that was playing actually fundraised a bit of money for her. So Wow. Oh, so, to like get her through medical school, I yeah, guess. Yeah, so she got uh, almost $14,000 towards her medical training because obviously she's proved herself to be a very good student. Oh, that's amazing. So I thought for us it is amazing. Mm. So you never know. But I did want to remind listeners now that we've come into January back at work and we've probably – been a little bit more sunburned than we should be, mm. um, that Nadia actually gives us her self-check rule, which is available on online. I've Googled mm-hmm. it and looked at the skin the skin cancer um, associations, and mm. it's ABCD rule. So it's okay. Uh, so I thought we'd say it now All so right. we can go home and check our moles out. <laughs> Why not? Um, so A is for asymmetry. Um, mm-hmm. So how does it look? Is it even? B is for border. Does it have a red ring around it? Mm. Color? Has it changed color? Has it gotten darker? D for dark. And E for evolving. Is it growing? Mm. So keep let's keep ourselves safe after our enjoyable summer. Totally. Yeah. Wow, that's really... What a, what a stroke! Like I, I want to say it's it's a blessing. Like it's to be, um, yeah, just someone seeing across the room. Oh man, this guy might have cancer, and uh, he's got to be incredibly thankful to her. And uh, oh man, and just to know like that he's safe now. That's amazing. Yeah, and you can see that obviously, you know, God was looking after him because yeah. the likelihood of that happening is pretty low. Ah, oh, totally. What what else is happening in positively different news? Well, I decided I'd continue with the moisturizer theme. So <laughs> nice. There is another beauty remedy that I've tried unsuccessfully, but mm. it is quite popular. Mm. Um, it's something called Tamanu oil. Have you heard of that? I've never heard of okay, that. Okay, so it's actually a native Australian plant. Um, it's sort of like... They describe it as like a macadamia nut kind of look. Um, So you can't eat it. I did Google that. (laughs) Don't eat it. Tempting, but no. Um, So while it didn't work out for me, this plant, the Tamanu plant, which has Mm. the oil, can actually fuel your average Holden Astra. Oh, Oh, wait. Okay, so it can be turned into petrol? Yeah, so it can be turned into biodiesel so Uh it's it's a form of bioenergy so there's a researcher from cq Uh university and i will not pronounce his name well but i'll try his name's (laughs) najapa ashworth nice so the beauty leaf tree which is the tamanu it's it's also called scientifically also won't pronounce this as well as i could um calophyllium inophyllium Mm. Mm -hmm. so it can be used to grow um the plant, which is a source of biofuel. Mm. So the tree produces about 10,000 fruits a year, um, mm. and that equals about 4,000 litres of biodiesel per hectare per year. Mm. So, and that's growing in relatively, you know, tough conditions like Cairns, Darwin. Sure. Doesn't need a lot of care. 
Mm. Um, so that could actually mean a lot for Australia. So um, while the oil is currently limited to just you know the beauty market, it's mm. now now can be used for bio, biodiesel production. Yes. So it's possible that we could subsidise our oil production, which um, our oil importing, which is eighty mm. percent. Um, of our oil is imported in Australia per year. Yeah, totally. It also gives you like a renewable way to make a, a form of like, well, diesel, you know, to be able to power cars. I love stories like this. Um, basically, it's vegan fuel. Vegan fuel. Yeah, it's non-fossil fuel. That's fuels. right. Yeah. I like that. That's, see, that's a really good marketing point. <laughs> that's right. Well, just recently in, I covered last year about how they did the first commercial flight using totally like ethanol, like not basically farmed fuel, not using fossil fuels at all. And that was their big catchphrase and slogan. It's like, oh, planes are vegan now. Oh, that's <laughs> not E10, is it? Because uh, E10 has some petrol in yeah, it. Yeah, so E10 has like ethanol in it. Um, there's ethanol limits because uh, because the research into how well ethanol works is, uh, I, they say it's a bit limited and they would rather, well, I also think it's because of the monopoly on the market that you have if you have, you know, oil wells that are like from fossils. Yep. Um, but yeah, so they limit how much uh, ethanol you can use, but now they're starting to open up those limits. So it seems like, yeah, vegan, vegan fuel. And yeah. we can produce it in Australia. That's amazing. And it will be great for our economy. So the totally. bioenergy sector could contribute up to an extra $10 billion to the economy annually by 2030, they say. What? Dude, then we're all just swimming no. in cash and rich. <laughs> oh, you, if you live in the Australian dream, like vegan, vegan fuels the way to go. <laughs> so, you know, put in your car, put it on your face. It's good for both of those. <laughs> That's amazing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Well, in more serious news today, I came across a new story that kind of sparked a little bit of a journey for me. Uh, that's gonna we're gonna be doing a little bit of a profile on the country of North Korea Ooh. because it is super interesting. Uh, it's a really interesting place, and a lot has gone down in its history, and specifically, like especially relating to Christianity, we're gonna highlight that a bit today. But essentially, in the news, uh, North Korea is at the moment doing Morse testing on hypersonic missiles, mm. which which are basically just really really fast missiles. You know, the kinds of ones that claim to be. Um, undetectable and uncounterable. Uh, they've the been dangerous d- ones. They're really, yeah, they're super duper dangerous ones. Um, apparently this missile that they've tested in the last couple of days, um, it hit a target a thousand kilometers away, um, flew, uh, around, uh, at a 60 kilometer act, uh, Altitude with a speed of Mach 10, which is 10 times the speed of sound. So around Scary. around 12,000 Ks, the, these things are cruising at. And um, yeah, you know, the, the North Korea, they're getting it done. And we kind of hear stories like this, oh, North Korea developing this weapon and this mm. weapon. And um, they seem to be very, very heavily invested in their military. Something that I r- came across recently is that like, Although North Korea tries its hardest to come off to the rest of the world as a militarily advanced nation, um, they are actually probably one of the most poverty-stricken countries in the world. Absolutely. Uh, which is Interestingly, Lawson, um, oh. I have actually lived in South Korea okay. and taught English there, um, and I've been to something called DMZ, which yeah, is the yeah. demilitarized zone, mm-hmm. the border of North and South, where mm. you can actually stand there with the officers and look over to North Korea, and all you can see is just like a barren wasteland for kilometres and a very small city 
very like a couple of kilometers away. There's no, you know, high rise buildings, big mm. towers. And and even like if you like go to Pyongyang, there's like buildings everywhere, but it's like again, in that actually I've heard that at the the DMZ, that city in on the North Korean side, they sometimes like play music and different things to make it come off as like somewhat lively, but ultimately I don't think anyone lives there. Like it's just there's just so much empty space um and that's because of their essentially their lack of funds the the history of north korea is that you know in the 1950s the north south as and the north and south split um nor the north being then um uh siding with china and specifically communism and the the cause of like the ussr and whatnot uh south korea being you know siding with the rest of uh the western world at that time and then there was the korean war that took place between Mm. you know these north and south korea and you've got yeah communism on one side and and you know the united states and well, it's democracy on the other side Mm. but capitalism as well it's a stark contrast because south korea is the most one of the most technologically advanced countries in the world, and yet North Korea um, is, I guess, struggling. Maybe not in their weaponry, but definitely. Well, well this is the interesting in their society. thing. When the split happened, uh, because South Korea had adopted a, a capitalist kind of libertarian model, they did struggle in the beginning because they had to start industry and whatnot. And North Korea actually had the jump on them because they got huge cash injections from China mm, and, and, the, and the USSR. Um, but nowadays, um, North Korea's total GDP, so their gross, uh, d- uh, their gross um, production is... 19 you like 19 billion us dollars mm. um which is they have a population of about 25 million people wow. 19 billion us dollars okay mm-hmm. um i mean i'd be, be happy with 19 billion myself yeah, yeah you're, you're thinking you're <laughs> for think a like, whole country <laughs> you're thinking like oh that might be a good number um so australia's gross domestic domestic product mm. um in 2020 was 1.3 Trillion. Trillion. So Australia and North Korea have this uh, roughly the same population, around 25 million people. Yet um, North Korea has a yeah gross domestic product that is barely even a fraction of the size. Like, they are just languishing in poverty, and that's because they're so isolated politically and economically. This is this is the problem of North Korea. Absolutely. Um, they, and by choice. They, and it's by choice, yeah. In the early 2010s, they even tried a, a form of faux kind of capitalism within North Korea itself um, because they were like, look, we're just languishing in poverty. No one can make Mm. money. It's all state controlled. Um, But then like people started, North Koreans started to get rich and then they were like, oh, let's nip this in the bud. And they ultimately stopped and they're just in the same place, just struggling um, and just incredibly poor. I think it's one of those sad stories where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Mm. But I remember talking to the students in South Korea. I mean, mm. some of them were able to escape um, and get yeah, into wow. the from the north to the south. But during winter, um, they actually have quite a compassion for the North Koreans, the South Koreans. Mm. They, um, and, you know, it's a frequent topic of conversation. Um, what they mm. do, and I'm not sure if this still happens, but if anyone um, has an idea, please text us. They send little packs over the wall with balloons so they have, like, socks and, like, packaged food because apparently um, they're not well equipped for winters and mm. it's very cold there. It can snow. So the South Koreans are always trying to help out 
the other the North Koreans, which is really sweet, but also yeah. really sad that they don't have access to some basic needs. Yeah, totally. Oh man, in North Korea, it is it is an absolute struggle. And if you you can defect to South Korea quite easily, you do have to make it there, which is a huge challenge for for the North Koreans because you uh, you have to essentially the best way is to go through China. Mm. Uh, but then if you get caught by Chinese officials and governments mm-hmm. and soldiers or whatever, they deport you back to North Korea, and you essentially have three attempts, and on your third attempt then you get executed. Um, and speaking of persecution and execution and all those kinds of things, North Korea is pro- is rated as the number one most dangerous place for Christians to live oh, in this day in this so day sad. and age. Yeah. So um, basically, in terms of their imprisonment, there are currently around fifty to seventy thousand Christians who are held in North Korean prison camps. Um, Christianity is incredibly small in North Korea, and it is very secretive and very underground. Like mm. it is super duper like persecuted um and like you have situations in china with the underground church where it's flourishing and growing because i think that although it's very heavily persecuted there is that degree of freedom over there and there are Mm. like there are approved churches but the churches are really growing in the underground whereas Mm. in north korea the bible is banned everything is banned you're not allowed to be a christian and the things we take for granted that's right and if you are a christian you get thrown in prison or Executed. Executed. Um, we and- wouldn't be able to have radio stations like Faith FM, would we, in North Korea? That's right. Uh, in North Korea, um, in uh, according to an organization called Christian Solidarity Worldwide, uh, there are numerous reports of the prison camps um, being just full of very inhumane treatment and tortured towards people of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, faith um, re-education and, and all those kinds of things going down. So it's it's really what we're looking at. Um, similarly to like something we've covered a number of times on the show, the the persecution of Uyghurs in China. Mm. It, it really is like the modern um, modern Holocaust. Mm. Um, there isn't you know uh, mass deaths of Christians which took place in in something like the Holocaust, but it is just totally and absolutely persecuted um but in spite of that people are doing amazing work over there and we've had uh etienne mcclintock on the show from voice of the martyrs which mm. is an amazing foundation going and i still get their mail yeah that's right same <laughs> uh, but he he mentioned uh, some of the work they're doing over there and i was just looking up some of the work you know uh, weather ballooning bibles mm. into north korea so it's floating <laughs> weather balloons floating up and like the atmosphere over and yeah. getting get into your north bow and arrow. korea yeah that's, <laughs> shoot an arrow through that, get a bible right. <laughs> they're, they're collecting Bibles over there, um, underground schools, underground baptisms, underground like universities mm. that are, that are teaching people um, about uh, yeah Christianity. You know, and despite of yeah, they've had obviously North Korea, like every country, has experienced COVID nineteen as well. Yet the ministry is still going forward. So if you want to help the situation in North Korea, um, head to voiceofthemartyrs dot com and mm. you can you can do- donate. You can get on their mailing list and and hear news from over there because North Korea is a country in desperate need of Christ. So guys, I didn't have time to cover um, the, you know, the leading cause of death. Maybe we'll do that tomorrow. Um, But yeah, really, really interesting situation. Very heavy situation Mm. in North Korea. Um, But yeah, give us a call 0491-064-669 and we can direct you in a way in which you can help these people. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Um. Awesome stuff. Well, guys, give us a call, give us a text, let us know the answer. But right now on the phone, we have John Anderson from creation.com. John, are you there with us? 
I am. I'm, I'm right here from uh, Creation Ministries. Creation.com is our website. Awesome stuff. Yeah. So, John, uh, we had John Ashton uh, on the show a little bit earlier this week, and now we've got you to cover um, amazing things happening in the world of creation science. And so, yeah, what are we going to be chatting about today? Well, look, I, I thought I'd uh, I'd have a chat about uh, a couple of uh, recent uh, fossil discoveries. Oh, I know you've uh, you've had me. I know you've had mentions of those on the uh, the program before, mm. but uh, the the interesting ones are always the ones that are found in our backyard here in uh, Australia. Wow! And uh, you know there was a a great article uh, only about a month ago of a fossil ichthyosaur, which. Uh, the word ichthyosaur comes from obviously uh, ichthyos fish and saw dinosaur, you know, so a, a fish-like dinosaur. And uh, it was discovered in uh, outback Queensland in the, uh, the Richmond area. Mm. Now, Queensland's a, a, a pretty common place to uh, find lots of uh, old fossils, uh, dinosaur fossils and the like. But of course, the ichthyosaur was uh, about the size of a dolphin, and it was a, uh, a marine creature. Okay. So, uh, in the uh, the narrative that uh, was there in the article, they said, of course, how it was 110 million years old, and all of this sort of thing, mm-hmm. and uh, beautifully preserved. And uh, obviously, because it was a sea creature, there must have been an inland sea there in outback Queensland. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought, yeah, here we go. There's, uh, they always concoct a story around these discoveries. Mm. But when you actually uh, ignore the story and you look at the discovery itself, mm-hmm. what you find is that there's always great verification of the truth of the Bible's history. Wow. And, of course, that's what uh, Creation Ministries is all about. We're there to uh, defend the Bible's truth from its very first verse. Mm. And uh, that's important because you really need to be able to uh, trust the whole of the Bible completely, particularly in this uh, day and age, and we're in a uh, very dangerous time in history, I would have said. But anyway, look, just to give a a bit of background, uh, to go back to uh, how my eyes uh, got opened, I had transitioned uh, from being a... um, uh, an agnostic to an atheist in my uh, medical course at Melbourne University. And, of course, I accepted evolution and millions of years because that's what uh, what we were taught. And uh, it was only when I, uh, I had an encounter with the Lord and the revelation of the truth of the resurrection that I realized that the Bible had to be true. Mm. And uh, by going and uh, having a look at it again, I had to find some way of rationalizing what the world said uh, uh, about the uh, millions and billions of years and what the uh, the Bible clearly teaches about a young earth. Yes. And uh, it wasn't until somebody uh, lent me a book called The Genesis Flood that I realized that uh, lots of the things that you observe in the uh, the world around you can be clearly explained, all the geology and so on, all the fossils, can be obviously explained by Noah's global flood. Mm. And, of course, that wasn't uh, all that long ago, according to Scripture. It was only about 4,500 years ago. But, look, uh, getting back to uh, our uh, ichthyosaur discovery, I I mentioned that that was in outback Queensland. Now, 
I've uh, been privileged to have uh, quite a, a lot of opportunities to travel around Australia and even overseas with uh, Creation Ministries and do talks in uh, lots of very interesting areas. And a couple of years ago, I did one in uh, Cowra in New South Wales. Mm. Now, uh, uh, a little bit uh, north of Cowra is a small town called Canoundra. And Canoundra's got a fossil museum. And the reason it's got that is because uh, when they were digging up uh, or making an excavation to build a road, they found millions and millions and millions of fossil fish. That's in Canoundra. Wow. And, uh, and they created a museum uh, around that, and uh, there's lots of uh, exhibits there. But, of course, the uh, story about the fossil fish in Canoundra is that there was once an inland sea at Canoundra. Now, also a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to give some creation talks at Coobapiti. Now, Coobapiti, as we all know, is uh, uh, in uh, outback South Australia, mm-hmm. and uh, it's noted for the opals that it produces and uh, obviously for the uh, underground uh, part city that it is. And uh, again, there in, in uh, Coobapiti, They've got a very, very big fossil museum uh, with an ichthyosaur in that museum. I saw that when uh, when I was there. But uh, the story goes about Kubapiti is that there was once an inland sea. Now, if you think about that, here we have in northwestern Queensland an inland sea mm. and New South Wales at Canoundra an inland sea uh-huh. and Kubapiti in outback South Australia and inland sea. And if you triangulate that, that's a huge area of Australia. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's an enormous area. Now, did we have uh, multiple inland seas or one big one? Mm. And uh, when you go around the world and you look at a lot of the fossils that are found around the world, very often there are marine creatures found inland. Man, there must be like hundreds and thousands of inland seas because nearly every <laughs> single fossil they find is, is like fish on land. That, that's right. You know, and, uh, and, and so uh, if there are all of these inland seas, where did all that water come from? And mm. uh, I, I think when you look at what the, uh, the scripture says, particularly uh, when we find all of these marine creatures buried in the sediment, in unusual places all over the world. And the Bible talks about a global event that uh, where the world was uh, entirely covered with water mm. for about a year. You start to see that uh, maybe common sense would suggest that uh, perhaps the story of the uh, Bible is true and the story of little inland seas in hundreds and thousands of places all over the world is probably not the right narrative. Mm. And... Uh, that, that's really uh, confronted with when, uh, uh, well, I wasn't confronted with it when I was an atheist, but it's absolutely confirmed my uh, belief in the truth of the Bible from uh, what I've seen in my travels and, uh, and uh, what I read in the scriptures. So really, I, I, I think the creation ministry's thrust that the Bible is true and can be trusted from the very first verse I think that uh, that really is the uh, the take home message 
that all creation speakers would like to get across to uh, our listeners mm. because it is so important. It's so important to be able to trust the Bible from the very first first. And unfortunately, if it ever gets undermined in any areas and people who uh, who claim to be Bible believers but deny Noah's flood, and many That's do, then, then that casts uh, doubt on the rest of the, uh, the scriptures. Mm. And of course, the most important part of the, uh, uh, the scripture is uh, the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And uh, that, that is so crucial because our, internal, uh, our eternal salvation depends on our accepting the truth of that part of the Bible story. Mm. So, uh, so really, uh, I, I think that's uh, that's the most important thing that I can get across to uh, our listeners today: that the Bible is true from the very first verse. Mm. It can be depended on and relied upon, and the promises that it gives us of uh, of God's protection uh, is really vital. I believe in uh, this present day and age because uh, we are living in we're living in exciting times but we are living in dangerous times and uh, really it's so important that we can uh, we can trust what the word of god says totally i i think like my like lead on crash question from that is if it's so clear and the evidence points to uh, a flood but then a lot of christians take the step then of maybe accepting the flood but still holding a narrative of maybe like a theistic evolution um but would you say that this evidence of the of the flood coming from the fossils that we can see throughout nature that oh this is clearly what happens does this ultimately give credence then to the idea that god did really create from speaking the world well, look, I think you do have to come to uh, that conclusion because uh, if you hold to uh, a view of theistic evolution, you're really siding with uh, the world's view that the flood never happened. Mm. Now, uh, that, that is, in fact, the world view. They do not believe that Noah's flood uh, ever happened and ever covered the earth. But when you look at the uh, the evidence, you know, 75% of the uh, Earth's uh, landmass is uh, sedimentary rock. Where did it all come from? Mm. It's uh, it, it's filled with uh, with the remains of dead things. How did they all get there? You know, and uh, uh, you know, it's all so consistent with what the uh, the Bible says. Uh, but because the world denies that, it has a different interpretation of the fossil record. And if you are a Christian, and you can be a Christian, and uh, and believe that uh, God used evolution, I think uh, you're you're uh, taking the um, what science suggests as the um, the true narrative of our history over against what the Bible says is the true narrative of our history. And uh, from our perspective, we believe that uh, the evidence properly interpreted confirms what the Bible says. Mm. Totally. Well, John, this has been fantastic information. Thank you so much for coming on the show this morning and sharing with us how these fossils point so clearly um, to the fact that there was a flood which ultimately gives credence to a creator God who loves us and has died for us. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.